It is the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's George. And I want to fire everybody right now. Woo! That's right. High State uh, won by less than three touchdowns. Or I guess if you count extra points. They did win by three touchdowns. But regardless, they should have won by 50 and they didn't. I'm mad and furious and angry. And they're going to lose every other game from here on out. I'm embarrassed. Um, I'm like the only person on staff that took the over other than Ramsey. And he only did it as a meme. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like he's kind of contractually obligated because he has very close ties to Bloomington and, and, and is forced to crap on them whenever possible. Well, and it's um, cute when he's a homer and when I'm a homer, I just yeah, you know, get right. people in trouble. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. It's it's quirky and fun. So Ohio State won uh, comfortably. I, you know what? There was never a point in this game that Ohio State won 23-3 that I was – ever worried that the Buckeyes might lose. I mean, their their defensive domination was such that the, they could have scored, you know, six points and they would have been good to go. And I don't think anybody would have been super concerned in the fourth quarter. But there's obviously a lot of discourse. There's been discourse about state of the offense and who the quarterback's going to be. And I think we all knew that going into this game, basically as long as Ohio State, unless Ohio State had won by 50 points, people were going to, have so many takes on this. So I just want to start all this by saying I I am taking a much more tempered view of this game. This is this is a new team, this is a team that is replacing a lot of guys particularly in offense. You have a lot of great skill position players, um but that quarterback position and the offensive line is still a work in progress. Will probably continue to be a work in progress for a little bit. Once that gels, then I think you'll have a little bit um, you know, uh, of a better idea of what the ceiling of this team is. And, and yeah, they have to do that quickly. But I don't know about you, man. I'm not super sweating this result. I have mixed feelings. It's, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, the defense didn't allow a touchdown yesterday. That's pretty cool. No. Right? no. Nobody's been in the end zone yet against the Buckeyes this season. That's fun. And, uh, it's fun. and my recollection is right. I mean, the field goal wasn't like a product of like a big, enormous, oppressive drive or anything as much as they, wasn't it the result of them? It it was, but it was points off turnover, wasn't it? Cause it was off of the uh, interception McCord through, which was just on fourth down. So that wasn't the end of the world either. So there was, there were a lot of hiccups that I try. I don't know if I did it as much of the dub cast as I did, um, in some of the betting analysis that I did on the site leading up to the games and the pre and the end of the preseason, but I preached about how in the early goings, given the quarterback battle we saw, it was probably going to be important to contextualize any bumps in the road with the offense and mm-hmm. early season growing pains, some of which I think you could see yesterday. Uh, I did see some good and some bad out of the offensive line. I was, uh, I enjoyed seeing on third and medium early in the game the entire weak side of the line pull on the same running play on third and medium, which is a, a rather gutsy play call, but one that you can do against Indiana, albeit I don't That's know right. if you can get away with it this early in the season, but they managed to do it. And that was encouraging for how I thought the run game was going to kind of dictate the script for them the rest of the afternoon, particularly as we saw them rotate chip and uh, Mayan Williams uh, as they were getting to the red zone and the goal line. I really liked how they were rotating the backs early in the game, but 
the Kyle McCord obviously did not look as uh, sharp as I think we were hoping, and that probably doesn't lend much confidence to how the quarterback battle, I guess, was going in camp just relative to Devin Brown wasn't putting up much more of what was impressive than what we saw yesterday. And what we saw Mm -hmm. yesterday wasn't really up to the standard that we've come to expect from Ryan day at the quarterback position. So it, uh, there's a long way to go, but it almost makes you wonder, especially given we didn't see Devin Brown much at all yesterday. And they really did try to lean on McCord when the game Mm -hmm. was as close for as long as it was. Would they have been better served going with McCord just early on in camp and putting the resources behind really making sure he was ready to come out strong as opposed to doing this will we or won't we thing with uh, someone who could maybe make the offense a little more dynamic but ultimately didn't really provide anything more than what McCord showed yesterday? Well, and, you know, Ryan Day's uh, words, I mean, to echo yours, I guess, is that it was a mixed bag and the offense was a little bit clunky. And that's not a bad observation. I mean, I, I think I'm with you, man. Like, if, if you're going to ride with somebody, just just go with it. Don't don't let it be drawn out. Let them get the reps. Let them do what they need to do in camp and then, you know, see what they look like in the first game. Again, it's just the first game. They've got a couple more games here to kind of figure this thing out. I think defensively they're super solid. And what I want to do here is I want to just talk about pros and cons. I want to pluses and minuses, you know, positives and negatives, things that we saw during the game that we're going to take away from it both for good and for bad. And so I, I want to start off with uh, the positives, okay? I want to start off by going to things that I, I did enjoy seeing, and then we'll kind of go back and forth. So the first thing that I saw that I thought was pretty encouraging in particular, this is a you know strength of the, uh, the team last year too, but linebacker play still looks super solid, right? Like Indiana, if you look, I mean, statistically, they just got nothing done at any point in time, but particularly their, their running game was just, they got nothing. I mean, they, they tried, it's not like they weren't trying and they, they would lined up in power. They were doing stuff where they were trying to make Ohio state like really take account for what they were going to do up front and they just got nothing. I mean, guys like Steel Chambers who had a game, Tommy Eichenberg, these dudes were going in and making solid plays. And I I don't know. I think that's encouraging. I'm glad that's carrying over from last season. I'll I say it's it. the first game I can remember where Steel Chambers, it felt like he made more of an impact than Eichenberg did. I don't yeah. feel like I could say that about any of the games last season. But 100%, man. definitely could in this. Yeah, he was all over the place. He was fast. He was decisive. He was, you know, hitting hard. I mean, that's that's great. You want to see that out of that dude. Um, so for you, what was your first positive takeaway? Um, everybody made it out healthy, I think. <laughs> but I mean, that fair. was really I mean, honestly, what I wanted for Travion Henderson. Big I get it. Yeah. Like, you, you want people to get out of there. You want to get out with the dub. You want to make sure that nobody gets hurt. Uh, particularly like your big time players. Um, yeah, I'm with you on that. And this That's also like, is a game. This is like a, a win that doesn't even matter. Like this isn't a win we're right. going to be talking about when the playoff committee is trying to slot the teams, uh, regardless of if they put 80 on them in the opener or not, like Oregon did yesterday. People are going to look at this result in November and not care. The only game from this month that people, 
They're they're only going to be talking about Notre Dame from this month. That's that's really what people need to be worried about. One hundred percent. If if Ohio State went out and won this game, like you said, by eighty, they dropped an eighty spot. People would say that that's more of a deficiency on Indiana's part than Ohio State being great. So you can't really win either way. I mean, I guess you have to like, well, if you score fifty to you know forty or fifty to ten or something like that, then people yeah. go, okay, that was a solid win. But too extreme either way, people freak out. Um, Here's the thing about Kyle McCord. This this would be my uh, second positive thing. I mean, yes, he was shaky in parts, and he's not C.J. Stroud. Uh, he's not even close to C.J. Stroud at this point. I will also say that I saw some positives from his play. Um, you know, the interception that he he threw was was dumb. I mean, you're throwing across your body into the you know middle of the field like that's just asking for it to get picked off. But in general, when he was doing play action or rolling out. He was mobile in the pocket. He was pretty accurate, uh, you know, on the run. Um, I, I think there's a lot to kind of build off of there. And I, I part of the reason why I think Cade Stover had such a huge game is because he is that safety valve when Kyle McCord's got to get out of the pocket. So by being that huge target, Kyle McCord just kept targeting him, hitting him, hitting him, hitting him. Um, that's not, I think, a formula for long-term success, but it's also something that I think you can build you know, and game plan around a little bit and force other teams to take into consideration. Now, should Stover be on the field when he has to block anybody? No, <laughs> that's that's the last thing you want. Uh, but does he have the ability to force teams to kind of like maybe bring up their safeties a little bit or, you know, give guys like Fleming or Abuka or Marvin Harrison a little bit more room? Yeah, maybe. And I, I saw that and I think that was, that was a positive takeaway, at least in a passing game that, you know, I think was kind of disappointing overall given the fact that you wanted marvin harrison to have like 150 yards you know receiving and things like that well it what will be interesting to track going forward is because as we were saying in the preview show or at least i was uh we every year going in we're like this is going to be a banner year for the tight ends and then it ain't (laughs) that's right if McCord's best path to success is through Stover and we haven't seen Ohio State lean on the tight ends in the regular season of late due to scheme or play calling or a mixture of both or some other elements, how is Ryan Day going to rechant, reroute the the best path to success for his quarterback through the of evolution of the offense? Are we going to see an offense that is more reliant on tight ends from a receiving perspective because it it they're they're shorter range targets? I I was a little bit concerned with the way McCord was managing pressure yesterday, just in terms of getting, you know, feet reset. Obviously there were people concerned about throwing the back across his body on the interception. I again wasn't super concerned about that. He he yeah, managed some of the like a play on, you know. In a, in a bad situation. I mean, that was that was something where you put a lot on your quarterback and it's not necessarily he managed a, a most easy of play. The, right, he managed most of the pressure situations well, and I won't hold, again, that was on fourth down, so that one was a special right. case. But against a team that has a more robust athletic pass rush, even mm-hmm. as this offensive line gets more seasoned, how is he going to be able to manage that pressure? Because that was... That was an early concern we had with C.J. Stroud, and that took almost an entire season of just kind of getting broken into game speed and, and scenarios 
for him to really get over that to where we saw last year in his second year as a starter, he he had a much different level of poise than he did going right. into the games like the Oregon game early in his tenure. So I'm this game makes me a little bit concerned for how McCord's going to handle the return trip to Indiana in a few weeks. Mm, but yeah. I I do think they've got a very good tune-up opportunity the next weekend. So there were there were signs of encouragement. I like that he was willing to go look deep, but even on that deep ball where he uh he overthrew Julian Fleming, uh, mm-hmm. the, the call even pointed out he had Marvin Harrison wide open on a comeback and if he had just been a little bit more patient, yeah. it's free yard. So he's got to get a little bit better in terms of taking what the defense gives him, but uh, for his debut, for the first start of your career coming on the road, you know, not not the end of the world. It's it yes. is what it is. He'll he'll learn. I agree. So I'll take that as your as your second positive thing. <laughs> Could have been worse. You can call that a lukewarm positive. We'll call that a lukewarm positive. By the way, in terms of injuries, uh, Marv making it out with a clean bill. Oh, my God. Yeah, exactly. How many times is that dude going to get, like, rocked and then just pop up and be like, I'm fine. It's okay. It's ask, okay. Like, his leg is going to go gumby. It, I mean, oh, my God. Derek I, took I, the picture of him last year doing the – He did. Yeah. Thing, yeah. So, I mean, his, he he's like just a, got gelatin. He's like a G.I. Joe with a leg, like, un, you know, dislocated and, you know, flailed around. Uh, he's got gelatin um, kneecaps and elbows. That's all that it is. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And he seems fine. So, that's great. I mean, Iron you wanted Man to see Marvel. more production. But, yeah, he's he's pretty, he's pretty uh, indestructible, I think, at this point. Uh, my last one, the last thing that I had kind of a positive on – Kicking game seemed pretty solid. I mean, and, and again, that's not like that's maybe damning with faint praise when you wanted to score like 45 or 50 points. But like that's that's a thing. If if your offense is not humming the way you want it to be, you need to make sure that you're getting points in the red zone. And Ohio State obviously was, and we've talked about this, they were unbelievable at getting points in the red zone last year. Um, and I think sometimes we take a good kicking game for granted especially in the Ryan Day era when you're not going to be kicking the field goals all that often. Um, but going three for three, uh, Felding, I thought, did a, a pretty awesome job making sure that, you know, Ohio State still came up with points, even if they're, you know, their drive stalled out. So I was happy to see that. So the listeners will enjoy this quick bit of uh, insight from the 11 Warriors slack uh, folks in, in the, as the Buckeye top 20 was released on 11 Warriors this week. Uh, many of the staff members felt compelled to release their rankings that we sent to Dan. And uh, I didn't share mine. I was a bit too, I, I was, I was shamed for putting Josh Fryer as high as I did above Donovan Jackson. And then uh, he, he earned a nearly 15 point higher grade this weekend. So we see who's got, yeah, the we'll talk about, we'll season. talk about the offensive line here we in will. a second. But my the reason I bring this up is because when Johnny posted his rankings, the first response from was from Garrick, and he and Johnny I believe had uh, was it uh, I, know, I, had him, I, I had him in like the I had him in the top twenty five, and then he was like twenty one or yeah, twenty two. And, and, and Garrick goes Johnny out here putting kickers higher because hey. he was the only one that did it for his. And rankings. you know what? <laughs> And you know what? That's that's why and he that's just did it again. Three bucks, and I'm telling you, man. I mean, granted, I'm a you know, 
I'm a product of you the Jim are, Tressel era. You are scraping the bottom of the barrel for positives in this this somewhat disappointing football opener. And so you I, go to the kickers, the no, special teams, you sweater vest sympathist. No, no, no. How many times, George, how many times do you watch a college football game and you're like, wouldn't it be great if they had gotten three points? Wouldn't it be great if they hadn't missed consecutive field goals? And we saw that this weekend with the oh, number Every of game with Urban Meyer, Chief. Good Lord. And so my point is, is that while that, again, by for some people and by some metrics, that's damning with faint praise, that's legit. If you have a guy who you trot out there at 40 yards in and you know you're getting three points – that makes a difference, particularly in games that you can, might be worried about with like Notre Dame, Penn State, all these other guys. If you look at some of these other teams, especially in the Big Ten, they may not necessarily be blowing guys out of the water with their, their offenses. It, it might be a little bit closer than you anticipate. Um, so I don't know, man. I, I think that's that's helpful. I hope that continues. And, you know, he looked, he looked super, you know, confident and solid. So I was happy about that. All right, let's get to the negatives, which is the part that everybody really wants to talk about. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, mine was just the first of all, pass rush uh, inconsistent. I, I thought they did pretty well, you know, especially in the, um, you know, stopping the run and, and preventing Indiana from really, you know, doing too much in that sense. But look, they didn't have a quarterback. I mean, they, they had a couple guys who were just kind of standing back there and hoping they didn't die, but like, you got to get more than one sack in that game. Um, they, they got a lot better as the game went on fourth quarter. I think they were getting much more pressure, but by that time, I think everybody just kind of packed it in. Um, I want to see more of that at the beginning of games and it may, you know, this isn't a team where I think there is a, you know, defensive end that really jumps out at guys. Um, but I want to see more pressure on the quarterback. And I think that's something that they need to work on, um, in the next few weeks, particularly, I mean, if you've got, you know, Sam Hartman coming up. You, you gotta, you cannot let that guy be comfortable at all. So I, I wanted to see more of that. Yeah, this is uh, the second. I don't, I don't know if we're calling him a linebacker at this point, but this is the second opener in a row where I'm, I'm kind of dreading the snap count release from Dan Hope because <laughs> I, I don't know how low the number is going to be for Jack Sawyer. Like, yeah, it's, it's great. Like, this is going to be. They just another year where. It, they can't figure out the role that they want for this guy. I mean, I or thought how to use him. JT. To JT me, was fine. He I did, thought he, he looked very like fluid. He he yeah. looked like faster a little bit to me almost. Yeah, yesterday. he was good. I I was, was impressed good. with him. Uh, I thought Mike Hall looked good. I th- was surprised he didn't get as much burn as he did. But again, I think that there was probably some recognition that given the. Uh, given the not necessarily competitive offense Indiana was showcasing in this game, uh, they probably wanted to keep a healthy rotation in terms of the the players that they felt maybe were a little more injury prone. And that was yeah. something that we saw on offense as well with Travion Henderson relative to seeing more of a chip tranium mixed in, uh, as well as Mayan Williams in the goal line situations. There were still a lot of names I was surprised that we didn't see as much of uh, just all around on the roster. Jack Sawyer's definitely one of them that comes to mind. I wasn't necessarily too upset with the pass rush just because it was funny. One of the commenters on 11 Warriors said it felt like Indiana was more trying to kill the spread than actually win the game yesterday. 
That's and, and I think that's they, a good observation. When they yeah. deviated to that like NCAA football 2006 <laughs> speed option <laughs> offense, where you've uh-huh. got like the same three like heavily computer scripted yeah. like play, like that's what they were running for, like three the yards first, for three right. yards for death, and, right? Right, you're just chunking them to death, but it, it works just because it's it's heavily like the script is already in place, so it's like, yeah, okay, and they're trying to fun. shorten the game too. That's the other thing, like they they wanted to get uh you know they wanted to get Ohio State's defense on the field as long as possible so limit the opportunities for the offense which is fine and I, I think that's the script for like teams that don't have the same kind of talent that Ohio State does but it's also um, but, why they didn't have as many opportunities for sacks because Indiana was right. never like completely put in the position until later in the game where they were desperate enough to throw right. the ball more and that's fair and that's that's a fair point I I just want to see more I guess penetration more you know or, you know rushing the quarterback that kind of stuff um, I want to see again, more blood from the quarterback. That's right. Uh, I don't know. The other thing that I was kind of looking at, I'll, you know, I'm going to switch this up. I'll get to my last thing or second thing last. I, the offensive line, I mean, I know PFF. Here's, here's the thing. I do not like PFF for most situations. The reason for that is because I think what they do is they come up with kind of a script for – how you're supposed to evaluate certain positions and things like that. And then they tell an intern like, okay, this is your criteria. Try to figure this out and then attach a score to it. I don't think that's the best way to evaluate um, certain positions, particularly Spencer Rattler is the greatest player of all time. And that's (laughs) That's what they've been telling me for five years. Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm saying though, man. Like it's not, I think if you are looking statistically at, uh, skill position players, you can make a quantitative case for how good they've performed, right? Like, I, I think if you look at a wide receiver running back, you can go, okay, well, they're getting X amount of yards per carry, and we can kind of contextualize that based on how the defense is doing, blah, blah, blah. But when you're looking at a position like offensive line, it is so subjective about how you're going to uh, quantify or, or categorize, you know, their ability or how well they did. I don't think the Ohio State's offensive line performed well, right, on Saturday. I don't think they did a good job. I also think it's kind of silly to say, like, this guy graded out at a 56.8. How, what does that mean? How do you know? Why is it not a 56.7? Like, it, to me, that is very silly and, and kind of reductive. I think they did a good job um, keeping Kyle McCord a little, you know, clean and in the face of a defensive line that is better than people think. I also think they continue to do a poor job uh, at run blocking, um, I'm kind of, I'll be honest, like I am not a Travion Henderson believer at this point. I think he's got a lot to prove. I think he has to do a lot more, uh, to kind of you know show that he has the skill, uh, that he, you know, showed in, uh, his first year with the program. Um, but there were a couple instances where it's like, you can't, what do you, what does he do? I mean, he's getting hit four yards behind the line of scrimmage. Like you can't, you can't do anything about that. Um, well, I so I think there's two sides to that. So the first thing that I want to clarify is that again, referencing the the Buckeye top twenty assortment, uh, many of the staff uh, ranked Donovan Jones as high as like four or five within the top ten, certainly in almost every case, except for yours truly, who uh, <laughs> it was a bit of an oversight. But I did in my top ten, I did have Mr. Josh Fryer. Fryer had the highest grade from PFF coming out of this Indiana game other than Mr. Carson Hinsman, who is sort of the consensus majority seems to have been 
treated as having the best game in this case, which is nice for a guy that just had his first start. That's what you want to see. But he is playing center, which is like kind of the hardest position to evaluate, but also make visible mistakes, I think, Mm -hmm. uh, relative to evaluating from an outside perspective. However, Donovan Jones, I believe, had a, a grade of 53 from Pro Football Focus, which, to Johnny's point, what does that mean? But yeah. it was much lower than the one that Fryer had. So John, Johnny's Donovan, just trying to vindicate the rest of the 11 Warriors staff in the Buckeye <laughs> Top 20 while I'm sitting here lapping it up because I was I was shamed for my my – my oracleness in in anticipating how this offensive line would unfold from from uh, its incubation early in the season. Yeah, Donovan Jackson uh, did not get uh, did not get graded out super hot by PFF. Um, Matthew Jones, Josh Simmons, kind of and and like I don't know. I again, it's hard to evaluate this stuff. <laughs> I understand that. I also think it's like kind of ridiculous to try um, at this juncture right now. Just and let say, like, Jones oh, do it, and we'll we'll read well, what he writes about it. That's and that's really the best route to go because again, I don't think they performed well. I think they should have done better than they did. Um, well, so I here's the think... other here's the other side of what I wanted to say, and that's Travion Henderson. Sure, and yeah. I I am I'm not going to go as far as with like oh he's got a lot to prove. He's done a lot. Uh, that guy owns a school rushing record. He's he's good. The the concern for me is, you know, he had the health issues last year, which disrupted mm-hmm. his momentum a bit. Um, there were it was really just rumors, but if you were watching the way he was kind of like, I don't want to say behaving on social media, but just the way he was kind of like communicating with fans, and there were a lot of fans that were giving him a lot of grief last year. There was some right. worry in terms of like, especially just with the transfer portal climate we we were in, you know, is sure. this guy really going to be all in with Ohio State or not? Is he not potentially looking for greener pastures? And I mean, I was really optimistic about him coming into this game because he scored three touchdowns when they were in Bloomington two years ago on 10 touches. Yeah, he scored twenty-one points. That's three more touchdowns than they scored yesterday, uh, and he did it by himself. He he got like ninety-five uh, rushing yards on nine carries. He was explosive. What he in comparing the game yesterday to that game in twenty twenty-one, even regardless of the disparity in the offensive lines. He just does, he seems more hesitant at the line yeah, of scrimmage than he he, he used to. He he used to just go with reckless abandon and just hit the lane, and he used to be just so straight line fast that his commitment to that one cut and go style is what let him break off so many big plays. And we just haven't been able to see as many of those. We've seen more of them in the past. We saw more of them in the passing game last year because of their ability to scheme him into open space than mm-hmm. we did than he got on the ground just outright. So it would uh, it would be encouraging to see him uh, get just to the line of scrimmage with a little bit more urgency because you can 
you can almost see him just kind of thinking about it a little too much before he actually right. gets to the line. Now, having a more seasoned line opening up those holes would help, but this is a bit of a pattern of a problem that we've seen now season over season. So it is going to be something to monitor with him going forward. I'm not going all the way in with you on terms of like, I'm, I think he's, well, I'm not, I don't want to quote what you just said, but obviously you were like, I, I need to see more from him. I do too. Also I'll, so I'll say, I agree with you. He was the third best running back on the team against Indiana, right? Chip training was the best. Mayan Williams did really well in short yards. Mayan did his job. He, I don't know if he was all right. It was a goal line duty. So yeah, but that's fine. But that's what you got to do. And Travion Henderson did not have a great game, and he's got to come back and show that he can be that guy that people want him to be. And the thing is, man, like there's talent in that running back room. They're going to find the guy who's going to get him yards. And if it's Chip, then they're going to give it to Chip. And if it's Dallin Hayden, they're going to give it to Dallin Hayden. If it's you know Chop, they're going to give it to Chop. So my point is, I don't think he's owed anything. And and while he has all that talent, um, you've got to put it out on the field, man. Like, you've got to be able to get yards. And everybody – look, if the offensive line is not doing their job, that doesn't change depending on who the running back is. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same It's the same offensive line. you got to get the guy back there who's going to be able to make, you know, something out of nothing if the offensive line isn't giving you something. So – you know, again, I, I think he has the ability to do that, but he's going to have to, you know, really turn it up because that is a packed running back room, and you're not just going to get carries because you, you deserve it or you have all this talent because everybody's got talent. Um, one guy that I'm surprised we didn't see more of was Evan Pryor in, in that game. Um, Me too. And, and I, you know, I wonder if that's just. I wonder if that's a function of trying to just, you know, figure out their base stuff and, and, you know, not get too fancy and just try to like, you know, make those routine plays real routine, like Ryan Day was saying. Um, but yeah, man, I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's an interesting conundrum. Um, I, last thing I'll, sorry, go ahead. I, so I think part of what explains that is that I, I, this game had a bit of a feel of how Michigan treated their opponents they were looking down to last year. Harbaugh, right. and, and this is kind of something that's typical of him when he has the style of team that he wants, as he does right now, he will deliberately not show as much of the playbook as what they're capable of using in the interest of not putting it on film for their opponents. Mm-hmm. Like he would rather, like if you can beat the, the other team running halfback tackle. Every oh yeah. Time, they love that. Yeah. yeah you just do that. So, well, I mean, I would do that too. Like, yeah, of course, if you like, so Especially if, if you got, a, you know, a big game coming up in a few weeks right. that you got to travel, you know, doing it away. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't it kind of felt like what they were doing a bit yesterday in terms of, how much can we win with as little as possible relative to performing to or executing to our highest level and putting that on tape? You want to see great execution early in the season, but you also don't want to show your whole hand. And I think that might be part of why we didn't necessarily see them take more risks yesterday when they had the bit of early turbulence that they encountered. Right. So I think that might explain why we didn't see Evan Pryor as much. And I, I very much agree with that. I think you're, you're dead on. So, you know, again, not the result that everybody wanted. Um, I think there's still a lot to build on, but there's definitely some things that need to give it, need to get hammered out here in the next few weeks before they end up traveling to, uh, to Notre Dame. Um, 
But hey, Youngstown State is going to provide that opportunity. If, if let me put it this way: if you see a similar game out of Ohio State against Youngstown State, where they're you know scoring less than thirty points and and struggling to convert third downs and things like that, uh, then that would be the time to hit the panic button. But I'm going to wait a little bit to see what kind of adjustments they make in terms of personnel, in terms of scheme. And uh, I, I think they'll come out a little bit more aggressive against Youngstown State, in part because they know that they can. Um, and also because I think maybe they're just trying to, you know, figure out the right rhythm, the right attitude, and, and how they're going to do it. So I'm, I'm more optimistic than pessimistic after, after this game, I think. Um, I'm all right, also so- optimistic against an FCS team. <laughs> Good, finally. God, it's, you know, not everyone would be. Um so we're going to do Ask Us Anything. Before we do that, we are going to uh, hear from our sponsor, One Medical. The best defense is a good offense, and that goes for your health, too. That's why One Medical, the modern doctor's office, is changing the playbook for primary care. With four C-Bus locations and 24-7 virtual care, One Medical helps Buckeye stay healthy. And the relationship with OSU's Wexner Medical Center makes it easy to get access to specialists. To get your 30-day free trial, visit onemedical.com and use the code TRY1MCOL. That's T-R-Y, the number one, M-C-O-L. All right, so that's One Medical. Uh, Thanks for the sponsorship from them. Let's go ahead and do Ask Us Anything. I want to remind you that you can ask us literally anything. It is the football season, so that includes football questions. By sending us questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com. And let's start with a question from Kevin who says... Uh, this, this is from five days ago, by the way. So not in the immediate terror after uh, beating Indiana by only 20 points. Um, guys, how many games do you think Ohio State's football team will lose this year? Sports Illustrated picked Penn State and Michigan ahead of Ohio State. 3-2-5. Uh, and five. They also picked the Yankees to win the World Series. So what do they know? So after this first game, all right, looking at the schedule, you've got some pretty significant games coming up. You've got some teams, I think, with a lot of talent. I think Penn State is getting a lot of love right now. Michigan is Michigan. That's a known quantity. Notre Dame looked really good in their first game. Um, How many, if you had to do an over-under, I guess, where would you put the losses for Ohio State this year? Well, I did the preseason betting article, and I told people to take the over on 10.5 wins. So, And that's just for the regular season. So if the floor for me is 11, I have to say that they're – only going to lose one relative to that like the regular season right so it would have to be either michigan or notre dame after that i would be if i were to say that they were to lose twice it would have to be in the big 10 championship or the college football playoff um i think it would be an interest that would be an interesting situation what if they were to go 11 and 0 and then lose to michigan Right. Well, what if they were to go – or no, rather, because if they lose to Michigan, they're not going to go to the Big Ten Championship. But what if they were to lose to Notre Dame, beat mm-hmm. Michigan, go to the Big Ten Championship, and then lose the Big Ten Championship? Do you think they would get into the college football playoff? No. No? And and for the, for the main reason – I mean, I guess it depends on who they play and lose to because it's not like they're going to be playing Michigan, right, and right. losing to Michigan. You know what I'm saying? So, like – you know, if you end up getting to the Big Ten Championship and then losing to Iowa, right, or or even Wisconsin or something like that, 
I think that takes a lot of shine off whatever season you just had, even if you end up beating Michigan okay. uh, in Ann Arbor. That's that's such a letdown. And I know that the college football playoff committee is all about conference champions and things like that. Um, and given the fact, I, I know that they, they went toe-to-toe with Georgia last year, but like, I don't know. I, I think some of the shine is off Ohio State. And if they want to get in the college football playoff, I think they can lose a game or even maybe two games, depending on how it shakes out in the regular season. But I think they have to win the Big Ten Championship. So I think they're going to lose at least one game. Because I predict, I said they're going to win the title, uh, which, you know, after this weekend, I was like, oh, good luck. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll be curious to see tomorrow uh, where they end up in the polls. Um, That's a good question, too. I, uh, I, I will say realistically, they're probably going to lose two games this season, postseason included. I will say one regular season game, though, because that's what I said. In the, uh, okay. The I think, honestly, I think between Notre Dame, Penn State, uh, Michigan, and then maybe one under other random game, I think they're going to lose two games in the regular season. Um, I think right now Michigan's got their number, and the fact that you have to go – to Ann Arbor. I mean, again, this is like trying to project all the way to late November. That's really difficult to do, obviously. But right now, the way it looks, it looks, it doesn't look like these teams have changed all that much with the exception of Ohio State losing the guy that kept them in the games um, against Michigan. Uh, so right now, Michigan looks really good. And we'll talk about them in a second. Um, and then, you know, between Penn State and Notre Dame and, and some other team that could come up and bite them in the ass, I, I feel like that's that's a possibility to lose another one. So I think they'll lose two. I think they're too talented to lose you know any more than that. But um, as far as the postseason goes, I have no idea. And I'm, I'm really curious. That's what I'm excited about with this season because I think that the evolution, how this team is going to change, I think it's going to be night and day. So from between what they looked like against Indiana to where they'll be against Michigan – I, I still think Kyle McCord will be the starter, but I also think that you're going to see a very different team offensively in terms of what they decide to do and how they decide to do it. So um, I'm excited for that. I don't think there will be too many losses, but I do think two probably during the regular season. Um, all right, this last one here, this is from Tim, who says, Hey, hey, I normally like starting off the first uh, game week of the season uh, with watching Autumn's Here video that 11 Warriors posted about 10 years ago because it's an awesome and very unique college football music video. Uh, now I'm hitting a video unavailable screen. What gives the DC, DMCA uh, finally hit the video, regardless, super sad about it. Uh, anyway, to fulfill the question part of Ask Us Anything, are there any little traditions that you do for yourself at the beginning of college football season? Uh, first of all, that, you know, the, the copyright strikes, those are, those are tough. Those are tough. Um, and they definitely pop up when you uh, least want them to. I I will say as far as my early season traditions, I, you know, I have a job right now where I have to work weekends, which kind of stinks. Like I work every other weekend, so I miss games sometimes. I have to record them and then go back and watch them. Um, but I still try to like, you know, even if I'm getting up and going ready, you know, getting ready to go to work or something like that, I try to get myself in like a game day mood. You know what I mean? So I'll watch highlights. I do the same thing you do, Tim, which is I go on YouTube. I watch highlights from old Ohio State games, revisit some of my favorites, some of my comfort food. Uh, I, <laughs> When I was teaching, um, I would go in to, to school on Sundays to do grading and lesson planning and stuff like that. 
And I would just put on the uh, the 2014 Sugar Bowl in the background. <laughs> and I have probably seen that game in its entirety, or at least listened to that game in its entirety, at least two or three dozen times. Um, and so I just, I, I got to get in the mood. I get in the mindset. So um, that's probably my my preparation. I just, I try to immerse myself in some of the old fun Buckeye lore and, and games that I enjoyed uh, back in the day. My tradition died this year. You know what I used really? to do? No, what'd you do? I used to make sure that I was front and center at the TV, 9 a.m. every first Saturday for Big and Rich <laughs> College Game Day intro. So the I cover just, doesn't do it for you. The, the I would, new. I would hear, no, you got to get the OG from when I was, I got to tell you, man, like I... I mean, How? it's a whole it's a whole sensory experience. This college football <laughs> universe. When I was in when I was in high school, and I was you know especially because I would be playing on the team, and like I was I played varsity all four years. You get sure. done Friday nights, and then Saturday, you know I I'd, I'd have college game day in the morning, and I would have you know SEC in the afternoon. We'd usually have some kind of team gathering like after uh our uh team in the afternoon had played the night before and we'd go to someone's house and watch you know lsu and florida play in the early season when they're still like top 10 teams and whatever and i'd listen to Vern on the call at cbs and it'd be a whole great experience and then you'd have the game day primetime matchup at uh night on on saturday night and it was it was that whole rhythm of yeah. The game day with with beginning big like I it, it was just a nice rhythm and it would take every time I would hear that every year at the start of the season it would just take me back and get me and I'd be like all right college football it's here it's fall and they ruined it Johnny they they ruined it these Disney these doing, Disney uh, corporate evil demons when did the, when did when did Big and Rich start doing that like what was the year. Because I feel like it was like the two thousands. Like, I, I want to say two thousand six was when that song came out. I think you're you're under thirty. I'm trying to think. Like, do you have any recollection? You're still old enough. I think. Do you have any recollection of the uh, Bubba Sparks intro? Right. I posted it in the Slack when we were talking okay, that's right. about this. Well, there you go. I said so we got to go back to the back in the mud era because that, that would be better than this that. new crap that they're replacing Big and Rich with. No, no, no. I, I have no, I have no affinity for Big and Rich. Once they got rid of the Bubba Sparks intro, it was done for me. I was like, I'm out. Like, why do I? First of all, when it was two hours, that was perfect. So it was Bubba Sparks, two hours, you're in and out. It's great. It's fun. But then they extended like three and a half or whatever it is now. It's just this this slog, and they started with this too much Desmond Howard for anyone. It's, it's too it's too much Desmond Howard. It's too much Tom Rinaldi. It's too much like Oreo eating con- competitions or whatever they did on Saturday. Um, it's it's too much, and it's just I don't know, man. I need a leaner, meaner uh, Saturday morning to really get me going. I remember back when I was in college, and it was you know the Bubba Sparks era. Back in the mud now, baby. That's right. I confess, I'm so happy. That's why people listen to the Eleven Dubcast. It's for our dulcet singing tones. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, a lot of those traditions. I mean, when I was in college, like you know, I lived on campus for most of the time, and it was like, you know, you roll out of bed, you stay in your pajamas, you go to the stadium, you're, you're slightly like you know, hungover or neighbor or whatever, and like 
you know, you've got Bubba Sparks pumping through your system and it's, it was fun. And I just, I don't know. I miss those vibes. Bubba but Sparks now. got Johnny Dubs acting a fool. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And get you pumped up. Um, Anyway, great question. Thank you for sending those in this week. That's Ask Us Anything. Let's get out of here on a few quick things. First of all, Ohio State was not the only team playing college football uh, on Saturday, believe it or not. A few – here's the thing. And I think if you're kind of like trying to contextualize what Ohio State did, you were going to look at some of the other teams. Um, Georgia beat Tennessee Martin, which is apparently a team that exists. They won by 41. Uh, USC dropped over 50 on Nevada. Um, Alabama beat Middle Tennessee State by 49. Look, a lot of people look at these teams and go, oh, well, you know, they, they, they got so many points and they did so great. If you kind of watch these games, I don't know. Like, again, first of all, there were Bama fans and Georgia fans freaking out in the first quarter, quarter and a half uh, about how their teams were performing. So I think everybody kind of starts a little bit sluggish. And secondly, I think this kind of goes to show, especially when they're not playing in conference opponents, uh, unlike Ohio State. Um, I just don't know how much you can really glean from any of that. It's 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 intimidating, you know, and especially if you want your team to be scoring, you know, scoring five, seven touchdowns. But um, I don't I don't know that it drastically alters the landscape of college football. And to your point, uh, when you were talking about rankings and things like that, I am curious to see how much stock uh, pollsters put into just the raw scores because I think it will confirm my suspicions that they don't watch ninety percent of these games and just kind of look at the box scores afterwards. No, no it, they'll they'll any reason to slight Ohio State they'll do it. So I'm expecting them to drop probably not significantly. I would I would be a bit surprised if they fall out of the top five, but I'm expecting them to fall to number five. That's I that's think they'd be five too. That's what I'm thinking. I would expect that, especially if USC's got two games already under their belt. Um, and looking as good as they did. So I want to talk, we can finish this off here by kind of talking about the Big Ten a little bit. Um, Penn State had their big game where they, you know, they've they've got their uh, their hot shot quarterback, Jolaire, comes in. He was good. I mean, he was, I mean, very good, honestly. Guy threw for 325 yards, three touchdowns. Um, they, the thing is, though, is that Penn State, their identity, I think they want to be more of a running team. Like, they're not a fun-and-gun team. They're not a team that wants to rely on this guy throwing 400 yards per game. And the running game, like, it it took a while for that to get started. I mean, they leaned hard on it, and sometimes it just didn't get going at all. Now, eventually, you know, they kind of pulled it out, and by the fourth quarter, the game, you know, was was out of reach. But this was a pretty close game uh, until about halfway through the third quarter. So, you know, it's interesting to see how that kind of plays out. I mean, that was Penn State that was at home. Crowd was going crazy. They had all the advantages in the world, and they felt like they were sputtering a little bit um, until uh, the second half hit. So that's that's something maybe to keep an eye on. Last thing, though, is uh, obviously Michigan. And, again, in a similar way, I think, um, they didn't look amazing in the first half, and then they kind of turned it on a little bit. I will say this. Uh, the running game, you know, Dominic Edwards went out and said he was going to uh, revolutionize the uh, – <laughs> the running back position in 2023 uh, that that has not come to fruition. That is not, that did not come to pass at least against Eastern Carolina. Um, Blake Corum had a couple of really good runs. Revolution will not be televised, Johnny, at least not literally yet. because he didn't get on television for that's right. any reason. Yes. Well, none of them, um, unless you were streaming Peacock, I guess. And maybe that's why, <laughs> maybe he needed to have the national audience to really motivate himself. I will say this though, man, I, 
had been skeptical. I still am a little skeptical, but I had been skeptical of JJ McCarthy's ability to be like a consistent passer. I know he was super talented, right? Like that's that's not in doubt. I mean, the guy has a lot of skills. Yeah, I mean, his skill set is is huge. Um, but he was hyper accurate against uh, Eastern uh, against Eastern Carolina and looked really, really, really good. He looked like one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Now, granted, it's against a very bad team, um, especially you know defensively. They're they're just, they're trash, but that's something to keep an eye out for. And you know, Michigan's not really going to be tested uh, for most of the season. They I don't think they really play a legitimate team until like. I don't know, like, I think it's like the second week of October, basically. Like they've got Bowling Green and then Rutgers and all that. I'm trying to think, uh, see here. I mean, they play Minnesota, but like, you know, Minnesota, they play Indiana the 14th. I mean, they've got Michigan State, which is terrible. So really, if you're looking at it, it might not even be until like mid-November where they really have to worry about um, what their uh, what their offense is going to look like against the legitimate defense. Um but until that happens, I think J.J. McCarthy is going to get a lot of national uh, publicity and, and look like a world beater because right now he looks he looks pretty locked in. And solid. No, I, I think that they're going to do the same thing they did last year, which is they're going to keep their offense under tarps until November, and then they're going to they're going to unleash slowly. They're going to let the playbook go with McCarthy. So I I, I think they're going to try to fly under the radar as much as they can. And they did no. a little bit. I mean, they well, only won. I mean, that that score against uh, against um, Eastern Michigan was like thirty to three. So it wasn't like they blew them out. But again, that ga- that was a game that was not at all in doubt at all. And I think they pretty much just took their foot off the gas immediately after halftime. Well, I was being a little tongue in cheek with the phrase "under the radar" because we didn't talk about the most important thing that came out of this game, which was that weird four finger Harbaugh salute that they <laughs> did. What the hell was? Was that oh, yeah. Johnny? Yeah, or the crazy formation? Yeah, the super, uh, the super ridiculous, like you know, R.I.P. Jim, and they came out with the, they came out with the Jim Respector shirts and all that. Kind I of have crap. not been willing to subscribe to the cult language or label that you and maybe some other Ohio State fans have been putting on what's been going on with that regime up there of late. I do acknowledge that he's a little bit of a weirdo. The guy wears cleats on the hardwood floors of recruits that he goes to visit. <laughs> sure, yeah. But that, when they did that, just go win the game. You already have <laughs> his family members on the sidelines. Yeah. Just yeah. leave Jim alone for one afternoon, and you go out of your way to do the, oh, our fearless leader, we miss you so much, but we will do right by you today on the, the gridiron of Anna. Just right. go play football. Why are you doing these goofy theatrics? I... I can't wait to go see them at the end of November. It's going to be a hell of a time, especially with a wider tunnel than the last time they were in town. What I hope they do is that for the entirety of Jim Harbaugh's self-imposed suspension, right? Michigan self-imposed yeah, suspension. Self-imposed. Right. Like, that's the other thing. Like NCAA they're like certified. That's right. They're acting like this is the worst thing that's ever happened, and, like, they did it to themselves. But They're martyrs. The, it's, they're, it's so ridiculous. That's and that's probably the best way to put it. But what I really hope that they do is that for the next two games of the suspension, they do the exact same thing. And just because as it was, it's like the corniest thing possible that you could have done uh, in response to something incredibly stupid. Uh, but if they continue to do it, then it's just going to be funny. So 
they're not going to. Michigan's content with being corny and lame, but um, you know, it, it, they are who they are, and I will have even more to say about that when we get to threat level. Yeah, he said um, corny because one of their colors is maize. That's right. Uh, last thing, actually, before we get out of here, I forgot to mention this. Just uh, spend a couple seconds on uh, Coach Prime coming out, beating TCU, flipping half of his squad, and then his son throwing for 500 freaking yards. That was the game of the weekend so far, man. Like, that was sick. They were just throwing haymakers the entire, like, second half. It was sick. It was awesome. Uh, I loved just, it. I'm glad we got an Iron Man in college football again. Uh, That's right. Like I, I, I'm forgetting his name at the moment, which you know speaks. I oh, we have a star Iron Man, and I've already forgotten his name. But the guy that <laughs> caught what did he, he caught like twelve passes or something. He was. They say he was like the first player in twenty years to catch eight passes and an interception in the same game. Which yeah, is I love it. Mind blowing to me. They, they said he played like the most snaps on offense and defense since uh, Chris Gamble, I think, in uh, like. 20 years or something so it was uh, it would have to be at least that yeah so they a lot of exciting storylines out of there i think the best one though was i saw the worst game day sign ever this weekend which was from a tcu fan that said something to the effect of dion had as had more toes cut off than he did wins (laughs) last year And then TCU loses. That's karma, buddy. So that, yeah, that that fan, I, I hope he, he's going to be wearing that sign on his soul for the rest of his life. I think right. after that result. Yeah. So anyway, it's been an interesting weekend of college football. Uh, we'll see what happens the next few weekends, and you know, I'm excited for Ohio State to come out like gangbusters against Youngstown State. I think they'll win big. I think they'll they'll have the offense a little bit uh, more in order, and they better because it's freaking young sound state. So, I do not envy Jim Tressel this weekend. <laughs> Sitting at home wondering which sweater vest to put on. He puts on the red one, and then it doesn't matter. Well, he puts um, on a right. red one, and then he puts on a penguin helmet. That's right. There you go. It's more and comfortable just, than Brutus. There you go. Um, all right, so that's the dubcast for this week. We'll be back next week to break down all sorts of Ohio State comings and goings and how they did against Youngstown State and how they're going to do in the future. Uh, But until then, I'm Johnny. I'm George. And we'll see you next time. Take care, folks.